Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Law in the Limelight. I'm Wenton Yates with my co-hosts and colleagues, Max Haas and Peter Speroni. Before we get into today's topic, we just want to remind you guys that Law in the Limelight is presented by Parlatory Law Group. It's the firm where all three of us work, uh, and that's where you can find us. At the Parlatory Law Group, our mission as attorneys is to provide our clients with the highest quality legal services at a reasonable rate. We don't we don't want to blow you out of the water with our rates. So we're a cloud based firm, which means two things. First, we've we've removed all of those like bloated overhead costs associated with traditional law firms. And, and instead of that, we focus on bringing our clients impeccable legal services. Second, because we're cloud based, we have attorneys all over the country. So we're able to handle anything anywhere. For instance, I'm in New Orleans. Max is in Colorado and Peter's in New York. You wouldn't even know that by watching us on YouTube. So if you want to find out more about Polatory Law Group, just hit the link in the, in the description or in our bio. And when you call or email, let make sure you let them know that we sent you from Law in the Limelight. Also, real quick, before we get into it, hit the like button, leave us a comment, hit the subscribe button if you're enjoying all of the content that we're bringing you. Today's topic now that we've gotten all that out of the way, today's topic, we're talking about Billboard's list they just put out of the top paid musicians for 2020. In that list, they gave like an overall of how much these musicians made. Plus, they broke it down into all of these mysterious categories that you might be wanting to uh, know more about. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to break down what all is included in that overall break, uh, that overall of what they made. Who's at the top? Who's at the bottom? What they made in streaming, publishing, sales, and this year doing live stuff tours was a little weird. So we're going to talk about that as well. All right, real quick, um, where are we going to start? Let's start at the. Let's hold on. Let me pull up the list real quick. Let me pull up the list. The list. The list. No, we don't want to talk about Billy yet we starting with number one or the last one on the list we're gonna start we're gonna start with the last one but we're not gonna go through all of them because there it's 40 of them but at number 40 well, is yeah. Aerosmith, who made 5.35 million dollars and in the breakdown like we were saying is streaming sales publishing and touring let's start with streaming streaming they made 1.33 million dollars max can you kind of break down streaming because people really may not know there's different aspects to how streaming works when people think of streaming they usually just think spotify or apple music or google music right. and that's what streaming is but there's more to there's it. definitely more to it there's a lot to it so i'll try to uh to break it down in simple terms so first off as we've mentioned on this episode or on this podcast before you know and we all say this all the time especially when talking to musicians every piece of recorded music has two separate copyrights implicated. So every time you stream a piece of music, there's a royalty generated on both the recording and on the composition. So that's the first thing to know is that anywhere the music shows up, whether it's a streaming service, a radio station, whatever, there is a possibility that you're implicating both of those copyrights. So there's two separate royalty streams coming from that. So on the recording side, First thing to know, which we've mentioned before, is that there's no general public performance royalty for sound recordings, but there is one for digital audio transmissions. And what that means is basically streaming. However, the statute has 
all this little intricate language in there and basically says that the digital audio transmissions that are collected by sound exchange are only the ones for non-interactive streaming. So that means satellite radio. That means every AM and FM radio station out there that has an internet simulcast of their station, the internet portion of that stream is considered a non-interactive digital public performance. Um, and then things like Pandora, Spotify's radio feature, I'm sure Apple and Tidal have radio features built into their streaming platforms as well. And so basically those royalties get split off and sent to SoundExchange. SoundExchange works very similarly to a performing rights organization where they just aggregate all of this money and then people sign up as a member of SoundExchange and claim recordings that they own or that they are a featured artist on. And then SoundExchange will verify that information and then start paying out royalties there. The other piece that comes from recordings are the royalties that are generated from non-interactive or from interactive, I'm sorry. So interactive refers to a music listener's ability to choose the songs they play. So when you think about the ordinary function in Spotify or any of the other streaming services where you can look up a song or an album or an artist and play whatever songs you like, that's the interactive portion of it. Streaming services are not required to pay those royalties to SoundExchange. So what they do is they collect those and they pay those directly to distributors and labels. So there's, of all of the streaming that happens, the money gets split up in all these different ways. And we're still just talking about the recording side of it. So then um, on the composition side of it, you have what are called public performance royalties and mechanical royalties. Public performance royalties are, are earned every time a song, regardless of what recorded form it's in. So the original song, this cover version, this cover version, this cover version, however many versions of the song are out there, every time that particular composition is performed publicly, and there's lots of different things that count as public performances, but streaming is a public performance. Um, there's a public performance royalty generated there. Those are collected by ASCAP and BMI. And then every time a composition is copied, and this gets into the sort of the behind the scenes a bit of how streaming services work, but when they deliver a stream to you, they're actually making a copy of the recording and sending it from their server to your computer so that it it lives temporarily on your computer so you don't have to worry about buffering and all that kind of stuff. And so because a copy is being made, the mechanical royalty is triggered because a mechanical royalty is owed every time a composition is copied. So in the pre-internet days, mechanical royalties were generated every time a record label printed a new copy of a CD or an album. Mechanical royalties are generated every time another artist comes along and wants to record a cover and run off, you know, 500 copies of their CD with that cover on it or something like that. But mechanical royalties are triggered in the internet streaming space as well because of these what we call ephemeral copies. So with two copyrights, two separate revenue streams from each, 
is what all kind of lumps together as what's included in those streaming royalties. And it's all getting sent out to different places too. So as a, as a recording artist who's also a songwriter, the way to collect all of those royalties is to make sure you're signed up with either ASCAP or BMI or CSAC to get your public performance royalties on the composition, that you have some way of collecting your mechanical royalties, either through your label or through Song Trust or through Harry Fox Agency. And then on the recording side, that you're signed up with Sound Exchange and that you make sure that you have a good distributor who's actually collecting royalties from the streaming services. So you have to sort of go out and get these things. They don't just get sent to you automatically, but there's a couple different places you have to go to to get 100% of the Mac, when it comes yeah, to so, ASCAP, uh, when it, real quick, when it comes to ASCAP and BMI, I get this question all the time. Um, and Peter, you can chime in on this too. A lot of people ask me, do you need to register with both ASCAP and BMI or just one or the other? Uh, no, and you actually can't register with both. You have to choose one or the other. And just to add to that, you you don't you you cannot select both as a songwriter. You could, however, have a BMI publishing yeah. company and an ASCAP publishing company um, affiliated with one with one song. But you, as the writer, your share cannot be divvied up between two performing rights organizations. Um, there's been a lot of recent stuff in the news um, and actually over the past couple of years in regards to uh, into that topic. Um, and so a lot of people are, uh, you know, just make sure that with mechanical royalties, you're not getting any type of collection from BMI and ASCAP, um, but you are free to work with writers in joint works from different performing rights organizations. And there's been a lot of stuff in the news recently about whether or not they're trying to prohibit that. However, right now, you're free to work with anyone from any uh, performing rights organization. Perfect, I get that question all the, all the time. It's, uh, I guess it's, it's really confusing for especially new artists that are just getting in or getting offered their first deal or doing their first, a lot of producers doing their first like production agreement with an artist and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah, uh, and there's a bit let's more get to it also. I, mean, there's, I was just going to say real quick, we could, ahead, you know, get into all these other details about the PROs, you know, the way it splits up between writer share and publisher share and all that kind of stuff. I get a lot of questions about mm -hmm. that as well. Um, and that's something that, you know, we're, we're always happy to talk to to future about episode. and something we probably <laughs> need to cover in a future episode yeah yeah for sure uh before we get into the next topic uh i figure we just did so we don't go through all 40 let's just do the top 10 and well taylor swift's number one because the top right? 10 i think breaks taylor swift is number one which is i mean i think everybody knew taylor swift was gonna be number Shocker. one. but i think it's a good like mix of genres yeah. and artists and a good mix of like people who are stronger in streaming versus people who make the bulk of their mm -hmm. money in touring, which we're going to talk about a little bit later in the episode. But coming in at number 10 this is Lil Baby. He made $11.7 million. He's hip-hop artist. $9.1 of that came from streaming. 152000 of that came in sales. Publishing, he made $2.2 million. And touring, he made 253000 Peter, can we talk about sales? What is included in sales 
because going out and buying a hard copy of a CD, I think, I feel at least, is like a thing of the past. I can't remember the last time I went and bought a hard copy of a, of a CD, of an album. Peter, you're muted. I think, he's on, I think he's on mute. He's on mute. That's all right. Max, uh, real quick, while we wait for him to come back, can let's talk sure. about sales. Like, what goes into the sales for an artist? Like I was saying, like, going out, I don't... If I go buy an album, yeah. it's usually on vinyl, number one. Because, uh, yeah, because, yeah. I can't remember the last time I bought, like, a CD. Or even really download, um, like, paid 99 cents for a download. Well, yeah, so so sales are going to include digital sales. There's no question about that. So for people who are buying digital downloads, um, which, frankly, I don't really do that often, but um, guessing Little Baby's not on Bandcamp, but the types of digital downloads that people might make from an independent band on Bandcamp, those definitely count as sales. They're not physical, but it still is a permanent transaction as opposed to streaming where you don't get to keep a copy of of the song. Uh, the other thing I'll point out here is that the only way to really know for sure is to have, uh, you know, definitions provided by billboard as to what they mean by sales in this particular article. Um, but I'm guessing that probably includes merch as well. You know, plenty of people will still buy a t-shirt or a sticker or a hat or something mm -hmm. like that at a show, even if they're not going to walk away with a copy of the CD or even a vinyl record. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of guessing there that, that that's, what's included in sales. Um, that's hard to so, know okay. Without. So I found in here where they kind of broke, they broke down a little bit that they said that sales revenue was calculated based on physical and digital album albums and track sales. And that's it. Okay. So it doesn't include merch. So yeah. So little yeah. baby's making demand streaming royalty. Yeah. $150,000 off of basic, what I assume is primarily digital download sales. People actually buying a track off of iTunes for 99 cents or something like that. And I, I think there's this misconception a lot with a lot of people who are not artists that think streaming and sales are where artists make all like a ton of money. And I always have to tell them, like, no, they're not really making as much money on streaming and downloads as you may think. Right. I mean, um, I don't remember exactly how the math breaks down, but I remember seeing a long time ago that, like, when you buy a digital download from iTunes, you know, you, you as the consumer pay 99 cents, but then iTunes takes a piece of it. The distributor takes a piece of it. And if you're a big time artist, you've got a manager who's taking 15% of everything you make anyway. So that's coming off the top after the distributor and Apple have taken their cut. So for a 99 cent purchase, the artist probably ends up seeing like 50 cents of that or less would be my guess. Um, and then on the streaming side of things, I mean, you've got, uh, <laughs> you've got the streaming platforms in, in certain contexts setting their own rates for what they pay. And we've talked a lot about how Spotify doesn't pay 
nearly enough. And there's actually a movement of musicians who are fighting for what they call penny per stream. They want Spotify to commit to actually paying a full one cent per stream. Because right now it's fractions of a penny per stream. Now, Spotify only has control over what they pay out on the interactive streaming side of things. They actually don't have control over what they pay out on the non-interactive side because the non-interactive streaming money, the money that gets sent to sound exchange is actually very, I don't want to say heavily regulated, but um, is very tightly controlled through the US copyright system. So not only do we have language in the statute that very specifically says, you know, non-interactive streaming royalties get collected by a sound exchange and all of that, but there's also a court composed of three administrative judges known as the Copyright Royalty Board, and they actually set the rates for all forms of non-interactive streaming, whether it's a subscription-based service or a service that does not require a subscription. If it's any type of radio that, that involves a non-interactive digital stream, the Copyright Royalty Board, which I believe is based in New York City, they decide what those rates should be. And what's interesting, since we're filming this episode right now, is only about a month ago, a little over a month ago, the Copyright Royalty Board increase their rates for the next five years. So they do it in kind of stages. They do multiple years at a time. They'll say, right. okay, uh, through December 2025, these are going to be the new rates. Um, and even though this was just announced in June of 2021, they're making them retroactive to this January. So um, the rates did go up. So, you know, for 2021 and onward, we'll probably see everybody's streaming dollar numbers go up at least somewhat. Um, I don't remember all of the numbers, but I believe the rate increase on the subscription based non-interactive streaming was something like a 17% increase from the previous rate, which is really not a whole lot when you're talking about two hundredths of a penny, but, right. <laughs> um, which is insane. you know, in the aggregate, it, it, will start to bump up, but, um, yeah, it's, it's a tricky area because streaming, the, the power in the streaming world is much more in the streaming platforms, these tech companies rather than the individual artists. And so they have a huge say in whether the rates go up or not. Right. Yeah. So before we get into publishing and touring let's go down the list a little bit and we'll give uh peter a little bit of time to chime back one in. one thing i thought so was num really interesting is at the beginning of this article the very first line of the article says uh yeah for the first time in the history of billboard publishing this list concert revenue did not determine who had the number one spot so this is kind of an interesting thing, right? Because this really right, which is shows insane. a picture of a different side of the music industry. This is more about who is successful mm -hmm. on the recording side of things, <laughs> which... Yeah, because you can be a road warrior and make a ton of money. Mm -hmm. I think in the article, they talk about like collectively of the top 40, collectively, the 
big money makers made three hundred and eighty seven million dollars altogether. That is in comparison to 2019, where collectively they made $969 million. That's how much of a dent. That's a massive dent that not being able to go on the road and do live shows put in revenues. That's crazy. That's what is that? I mean, if you look at Celine Dion. That's a huge, that's a huge difference. I mean, if you look at Celine Dion, who came in at number three on the list, she made $17.5 million. She only made $290 in streaming. She made $215,000 in sales, $2.4,000 in publishing. She made $17 million in touring, and that's because she has the, the gig out in Vegas. So she makes the bulk of her money touring. Yeah, somehow the Eagles made $11.4 million in touring in 2020, which I don't even know how yeah. that was possible. I feel like the Eagles make this list pretty much every time. It's it's some. I think very recently they're even number one. Their 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 tours are massive. Oh yeah. Um, I mean they're playing. I can only imagine this yeah. Madison Square Garden, the Fleet Center. Like I mean they're playing the big big. But eleven point four million in twenty twenty. I mean, were they touring heavily in January and February of last year and just made all that money? Right. Right. I think what's counting towards that is the the ticket sales, the pre-ticket sales up until that point. I know that um, in Celine's situation, her official site put out a notice to everyone who bought tickets for the show. We're going to credit you your money that you've already paid uh, up until 2022 when they you know reopen or even maybe uh, – uh, the remainder of 2021. So maybe part of that touring money that's calculated here for Billboard is actual already paid for ticket sales, even though the show didn't necessarily happen because you know Vegas was shut down, uh, Madison Square Garden was shut down, all these big touring venues. So I think maybe it was pre-sales or maybe the upcoming tour um, that hadn't happened yet. They're, they're calculating that because I don't think January through March would have equated to 11 million i can't uh, see how but yeah yeah know. so um, <laughs> you know so we'll to look at i mean if you look at billy just look at billy eilish's numbers she came in number five every single overall category is in the millions million. for her and yet she still ranks below yeah. streaming 5.9 million <laughs> yeah streaming 5.9 million sales 2.1 million publishing 5.7 million and she comes in number one with the most amount of money made in publishing. And then she made a million dollars in touring, which I imagine is what you were saying, Peter, is this is like pre-sales. Cause I know she wasn't actively going out there and touring. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. We can, we can look more into that, um, how they're calculating that, but that's what I, I would imagine. Cause I mean, we're talking March, 2020 when things really started shutting down. Plus, you know, I think even these tours were starting to be canceled even before the big shutdowns. I mean, so so, so that true. could be part of it here. Yeah. I mean, the okay, look at the Beatles, number eight. The Beatles. Having towards They came in what, at number... Right, they come in at number eight. They made 12.9 million. Streaming, 5.1 million. Sales, 5.2 million. Publishing, 2.6 million. Talk about a band that can still move physical units, though. <laughs> That's insane. 670,000 copies of its albums in 2020. 
This is a band that hasn't been a band seventy in almost fifty. Seventy eight percent of which were vinyl. They that seventy eight percent of those sales was in vinyl reissues that are priced higher than CDs, of course. Yeah, that right there should tell you why labels have, do reissues, right? Yeah, and they generated. And I mean, it kind of goes back to hypnosis and why they're investing in songs. The group Beatles they generated one point eight billion streams. You know something else I wanted to point out that I was noticing is um, I'm looking at Drake here coming in at number six, $14.2 million, zero of those dollars attributable to touring, $11.7 million in streaming alone. No surprise, right? Drake is yep. one of the most streamed artists. In he fact, he was the number Spotify. one overall streamed artist sure. in 2019. Mm-hmm. And I think 2020 though, according to this article juice world took the number one spot for streaming in 2020 but he generated three he has three billion right yeah more streams yeah. than taylor swift but he didn't bring home as many as much money in royalties because he doesn't own his own masters so he's getting those royalties coming in through his label who's then splitting off drake's piece and paying him that whereas taylor that money is going directly to her and then, yeah, she has to pay her team and her manager and everything else. But talk about a reason to own your own masters, right? It goes back to what I'm always saying. Taylor Swift is out here playing chess mm-hmm. while everybody else is playing checkers. Yep. She's playing chess. And I would guys. imagine, like, you know, that's probably part of what explains Billie Eilish's publishing numbers, too. As far as I understand it, she's completely independent still, despite being this huge artist. Mm-hmm. And when you own your own publishing you're keeping close to 100% of that money. If you have a, a publishing deal, the standard co-publishing deal with a publishing company is that you split it 50-50. So right off the bat, if you have a publishing company and you've got big money coming in, you're gonna see half the numbers that Billie Eilish is seeing, even if you're as big as, as she is. Which is a massive chunk. That is a massive chunk of money. You know what also generates publishing revenue, though, is other people covering your songs and other people performing your songs. And so I imagine that some artists on this list get covered more frequently than other artists do. But that's kind of me speculating. And I I, I don't know. I feel like people do cover Billy Alice songs. (laughs) Imagine you write a classic. Everybody covers classics. Right. And and so the money that's associated with that on people covering the songs, I mean, just watch YouTube, how many people are just singing you know, on their YouTube channels and all that. Um, it, that's all, all, you know, collectible and amounts I mean, to if so you, if much revenue. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking in the top 10 and you're looking at people that could be covered, the Beatles publishing 2.6 million, they're going to get, they're going to get covered. Or isn't it Michael Queen, Jackson's estate is going to get covered? He bought their masters. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, 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 that's right. And then people are going to cover Queen. They made two point four million. They're in the top ten. They're number seven, consistently in the top ten. They were number five last year, and they made thirteen point two million overall. Publishing, they made two point four million. Sales, they made five point three million. Streaming, five point five million. No touring, of course. 
And then who else is on here is going to physical get album sales? The Eagles. They're going to get Eagles, Beatles. Yeah, of course. Let's go. Let's talk about Post Malone for a second. Something really interesting here, and this might give us some I, insight on on the Eagles and Celine Dion's touring money. His last show, he was he was on tour prior to the pandemic. So obviously, plenty of artists were touring in January, February, March of last year before everything shut down. And his last show before things shut down was here in Denver at the Pepsi Center, which is the the basketball arena where the Nuggets play. It was a right. sold out show. And he took home twelve point four million from that show alone. Wait, from that that was just one show? Oh wait, I'm sorry. Twelve point four million he took home from show. that wait. show and nineteen prior dates. So all it really takes if you're wow. a big artist is two or three weeks of shows in the early part of 2020 and Get on the road. you're bringing home so so maybe they figures. were performed so maybe they were performed. could you celine dion you imagine? and the eagles had kind of a similar thing they were on tour in february and early march and mm -hmm. could you imagine taylor swift's numbers if she was touring <laughs> they'd be huge can you imagine any of these artists touring numbers if they had toured all year? Post Malone took home twelve million from nineteen shows. Oh my I mean, god! The if, if he had a whole calendar year, he probably would have played at least two hundred shows, if not more. At least, yeah. Plus, plus big festivals. Right. I mean, he would have been playing all the big festivals. Right. I mean, they just had I mean, Rolling Loud. When you're when you're playing a, a your own show and not a festival though i mean think about the ticket prices think about what people would pay mm -hmm. to go see the eagles live right so when you get and the amount a show of at a basketball yeah. arena with what's usually the capacity like around ten thousand or so in a basketball arena maybe fifteen thousand right and you've got every single person in that room paying like two hundred dollars a ticket <laughs> it's an insane it's amount insane. of money <laughs> Yeah, when you get it, when you get those legendary musicians and artists that it, they, when they have nothing left to prove, those are the three hundred, five hundred dollar tickets. You know, those they, they tour. <laughs> Eagles tour all the time, but C Celine Dion's touring are touring in Vegas. But prior to that, an actual tour was you know once every five, ten years. Like Cher comes out of retirement once every ten years, sells her tickets for five hundred bucks a pop and you know just rakes it in barbara streisand you know those those big legendary singers that keep retiring and coming out of retirement um but yeah the the, the money the app just the ticket sale is astronomically expensive oh so yeah i remember when i was fill... in high school and the rolling stones came and played fenway park in boston and there were and even as you know 150 miles away in albany people were they wanted to go to Fenway. They wanted to see that show. And I remember mm -hmm. hearing about that. I was like, why do you want to pay like $300 to see a band that like was at its prime before you were born? <laughs> and that was, right. you know, right. high school me being pretty judgmental. I think if I had the chance, I would probably go see the Rolling Stones today. But yeah. still, it's just like there are shows of really you talented bands you can go see for $10 and people pay just insane money to to do something like that. It's crazy. Max, you have the chance. They're coming back. They were supposed to play Jazz Fest last year that got mm -hmm. canceled and now they just added an extra 
day to Jazz Fest out here in New Orleans and uh, Rolling Stones. I know they were doing the a special Wednesday show. Yeah. So. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, Delta variant doesn't go right. too crazy, uh, and I can actually keep my trip. Uh, uh, no, same. We were just talking about that. Like, uh, really hoping that we can actually go. But all right, real quick before we wrap the show up, let's just do a quick rundown of the top ten so we make sure we didn't miss anybody. Coming in at number ten is Lil Baby, eleven point seven million. Number nine, NBA YoungBoy who I am extremely surprised made this list. He came in at number nine, 11.9 million. Huge streaming money. NBA Youngboy, his his fans go hard for him. $10 million in streaming. Wow. I mean, he had 1.4 streams of just his music video alone. 1.4 billion, I'm sorry, with a B. 1.4 billion streams of his music video alone. And six point two billion streams of his of his audio recordings. That's insane. That's a lot of no, people listening nuts. a lot of times. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. It's just happening on That's repeat. That's on repeat. Right. That's on repeat. Right. Number eight is the Beatles with twelve point nine million overall. Number seven, Queen, thirteen point two million. Number six is Drake, fourteen point two million overall. Number five, Billie Eilish, 14.7 million. The Eagles come in at number four with 16.3 million. Number three is Celine Dion with 17.5 million. The bulk of that coming from touring. Only 290. Number two is Post Malone. $290. I can pay her. I can pay her. 3,400 in publish or 2,400 in publishing? That for me doesn't make any sense. Even if. None. Even if you don't, not a lot of people cover her though, because she's incredibly difficult to cover, but, but, right. and she actually has a lot of her, her hits are covers actually. So there's not even, oh, so that's part yeah, of it too. If you don't write your own songs, um, then you're not going to be generating money from publishing, even if you're yeah. a very successful performer. She's not a, I, I don't believe I could be wrong that she's a big songwriter in addition to this stuff. I know that a lot of her bigger hits were covers. And um, so maybe that could be part of it too, is she's not just very, very involved in the songwriting process. Um, Because that seems to be extremely low for worldwide publishing collections. So even if, even if her hits are not covers, I mean, it's pretty common in the, in the pop world that, you have songwriters writing for certain artists. Yeah. You know, I mean, we see that all over the place. Um, and so it's entirely possible that Celine just was like, nope, just give me songs. But, but, but with an artist like her, with all the clout, it's not much of a negotiation, even if she's not writing. She's like, I'm taking my publishing. Oh, I'm Celine yeah, Dion. Right. So if you want right. to get a, a song on my album, fine here's your royalty for a writer share but i i get the publishing so i don't know maybe maybe she doesn't that's just a weird number for me 2400 in publishing revenue for celine dion maybe for she's just being like, Wait, Canadian what? and nice you know yeah uh, yeah yeah maybe she is <laughs> yeah maybe okay number two post malone 23.2 million dollars and then number one is of course taylor swift with 23.8 million dollars overall her numbers are pretty spread out even 10.6 million in streaming 10 million in sales publishing 3.2 million zero dollars in touring let me ask you guys this question before we wrap it up 
Who are you surprised did not make the top ten? Surprised mm. didn't make the top ten. Yeah. I always throw Beyonce in there just because she's I, I always feel like she's always at the top of the game somehow. Ariana Grande too. Those she were the two names that Beyonce didn't even make the top forty. So Ariana no, Grande I, yeah. came in Ariana Grande came in at twenty three. Number she didn't 23 tour, was seven point five million. But there, no touring. She made that's why. million in had she, Yeah. Yeah. Had she toured, that would have been she would have been on the top ten. Yeah. Because her she's but up there. Beyonce also didn't release any. But Beyonce didn't make the top forty. True. I mean that's surprising she yeah. didn't make the top True. forty. Like how is she not just making a big chunk of money every year in general from like whatever it is she has going on? Well, you don't you don't also this isn't calculating everything that would manifest out of your musical career like right this is just i mean let's talk merchandising related. let's this talk just, fashion yeah, yeah, yeah. lines right. you know that's not this if we're talk, she's a billionaire because of that but you know who you know who makes more money than her like just they they just they are just murdering it right now is bts mm-hmm. nobody's <laughs> touching bts right nobody's touching bts and they're in the top bts 20 somewhere i don't i didn't see their name they're in the let me see let me scroll up real quick bts fell at number 19 8.9 million dollars they made 3.7 million in streaming which i did was kind of low for me i think they they have a really strong fan base sales they made 4.3 million publishing they made 960,000 and touring they made zero if they were touring, they would be top ten. Yeah, and four point three million if this in is sales a, is four point three million. Is it, I wonder if this is a calculation of, I mean, it's got to be of gross because I mean, how would you know the individual royalty rates that they get paid out? Whenever I hear of a successful boy band, however, I probably know and assume that they were completely screwed in their contract and don't have a whole lot of royalties in there. I mean, if you look at Backstreet Boys and Sync, they all sort of say the same thing. It all happens to those boy bands. So I don't know if the calculation is just gross of everything, and by the time you break it down for the actual musician, there might be not much left over. But yeah, they're everywhere. Uh, I refuse to be involved in it at all. I'm not getting involved with BTS in any capacity. That includes listening to them <laughs> all right Sorry. okay all right i thought i thought about that before and then my wife put me on k-pop and made me listen to bts their stuff actually slaps i don't but hate k-pop if we're talking about, i don't hate k-pop i like k-pop if we're talking we're if we're talking about money makers i'm gonna l- just listen to the number of of endorsement deals that bts has they have tamagotchi who uses tamagotchi anymore <laughs> They have endorsements from Tamagotchi. They have the BTS meal at McDonald's. They have it's a chill song. It's a it's a beer company. Koei, Fila, Hyundai, Louis Vuitton, uh, Helinox, Sideshow, Live Smart. Wow. Maple Story. It's a game. Rhythm so, Hive. It's a game. Tiny Tan. Baskin Robbins. Deals. New Era. Endorsement deals are not going to get factored into the numbers on this billboard list, right? Right. No, only the exactly. Music that's, what I, yeah, that's what that yeah. revenues. So in that note, and that kind of highlights exactly. the thing that I think is worth pointing out here. Like, you know, Eminem is still coming in the top 20. He's been on the scene for a long time at this point. 
but he surprise released two albums in 2020. Taylor Swift released two albums in 2020, not to mention all the news about her re-recording her masters. Beyonce didn't drop a new right. album in 2020 at all. She didn't have any new right. music in 2020. So I think that factors a lot in, in these numbers. I mean, if Beyonce did drop a new album, you know she would be seeing six, seven figures she in would streaming, have to. no doubt. Drops a new album and touring. She absolutely, absolutely. Eminem got, um, you know, he released the album "Music to Be Murdered By," but it, it but he all. It's a great album. I, it really is. And actually, some of it, it, like his diehards, were even acknowledging that this is sort of an older look at Eminem, like from back in the day. I I lo I love Eminem, and I listen to a lot of his stuff. And I I actually this this album was great. So he he released he released the album and it happened to be a good one because he's had a few flops he's had a few recent flops he's trying to figure out figure it out but uh, he, he, the album was actually quite quite good so side note yeah check it out anybody else you got surprised didn't make the top ten I'll tell you I was I'm surprised sure Kanye are. wasn't up in the in the top ten Kanye that, and yeah Bad but if Bunny, you're not yeah, if you include his shoes and his fashion line then he would. Yeah, so true, true. I mean, yeah. he's you know. I'm surprised so, Pink Floyd. Is bad, I was surprised 20s. Bad Bunny. Again, <laughs> right? Older bands. I'm like, none of them would be in the top twenty if touring were really factored in here. Yeah, Metallica's still in the top twenty. I love <laughs> Metallica. Come on, but really, <laughs> who else? Let's see. I think that's really it. But all right. <laughs> So if you guys have any questions about music, the music industry, streaming, sales, publishing, please reach out. You can find us at parlatorylawgroup.com. Remember, that's the law firm that we all work for, so that's where you can find us, parlatorylawgroup.com. Reach out to us. The music industry is our passion and our expertise. So uh, reach out. Let us know what you need. We're here to help you. We'll see you guys next time. This is Law on the Limelight. I'm Winton Yates. I'm Max Haas. And I'm Peter Sperling. See you next time. One of our rules is telling you about the other rules. First thing you should know is nothing we say here is legal advice. And you shouldn't take it as legal advice. We'll be giving our personal thoughts and opinions on various entertainment industry issues and we hope that it's informative and maybe even educational for you. But if you have a specific legal issue, then I recommend contact an attorney directly and set up a consultation where they can give you legal advice. And the second thing you should know, even though we all work for the same firm, it doesn't mean that we all speak on behalf of our whole firm. The views and opinions expressed are solely our own. Final words of warning, depends on what state you're in. While you're watching or listening, be aware that Law on the Limelight may be considered attorney advertising. That's all I have for you today. I hope you enjoyed listening. So without further ado, please 
enjoy, please enjoy, in the limelight, in the limelight, please enjoy, please enjoy, in the limelight.